Find out why more and more people are betting with Betfred. They make betting on the football season super easy. Betfred's new app makes it super simple to place your bet and even offers protection like bad beat bonuses. The newly improved app comes with more markets, more bonuses, and more action. This is the Doc Talk Podcast presented by Betfred Sports 2023, episode 20. Dr. Rob Zaniska, what is up, my friend? Happy weekend. How are you doing? You know, I'm coming off my birthday weekend, and I, I need to are. personally thank you. You would think, Dr. Rob, for how much beer we drink on this podcast. And by the way, I'm drinking a, I'm drinking a smoothie. It's a hazy pie, IPA from Six Point Brewing Company in Brooklyn, New York. This is 6.5. From Six Point Brewing? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, so this was from Jason Warner. So Jason's our man in Pennsylvania. Yeah. So he's he hooks us up yearly with like the like the mega gift pack of beer. And it's he he he's a craft brewery guy. He's he's a craft beer guy. So he I mean, he likes anything new and different. And so he'll try lots of different stuff from the whole northeast region. So he's kind of our go-to for the northeast. A lot of Pennsylvania, Ohio beers, a lot of I mean, he's always got kind of a handful some New York, a few New England ones thrown into the mix. So there's always some cool stuff there, but it's it's a great one. Um so Jason and I were trading some texts earlier and we were talking about Six Point Brewing and he said this ought to be like the official beer of Iowa football. Wow. Well, hell, Get it? zero six, points last night against six, Penn State. Six points. He said it's their season average. Man, it, we, we're going to get it more into that game and more about the Big Ten West division a little bit later on in this podcast, but it was atrocious. There were stats. I've been covering football for almost 30 years now. There were stats in that game I've never seen before. We'll go over them a little bit later on, but uh, I, I'm going to go on record right now. Before this podcast even starts, I know Owen, you were giving me a You're hard time last a, week. A, a Northern Iowa Panther. No, fan. no, I'm going to make a bold statement here, uh, and people are going to think I'm crazy. Owen thought I was crazy to well, say they already think you are. Owen but. thought I was crazy for taking Nebraska and the over at six point five for season wins. I'm telling you right now, the West is so bad, Nebraska can still win the West division. I know that's a bold statement. Iowa, Iowa, Wisconsin right you're now are going to be the leaders. I, I, I get it, but you're going to tell me that you, you look at the, the general dynamic within the conference in terms of new coaches versus established coaches, and you're trying, you're going to tell me that a team – well, I was going to say a team that doesn't have an established coach that's been here a while is going to have, really have a chance to win it. On the flip side, you got Fleck going down to Northwestern to 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 a interim coach, former coordinator at Northwestern. So. Well, okay, let's just dive right in. I was going to save this for later on. Let's just dive right into the Big Ten West. Okay? Let's do it. They because suck. The, it is horrible. It is not a good division. It is absolutely stinking. Horrible. I've got hope for a lot of these teams, though. Hope for what? Well, I mean, I, I so I mean, I mean, I think Luke's a pretty good coach up there at Wisconsin. I, I mean, he's he's had success. I, I I understand that, but that's not saying they're not beatable. I look at everybody in the West Division, and they are beatable teams. This year, they are. Yes. I mean, they're a disaster. But I mean, I, 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 you look at Fickle and what he did at Cincinnati. He's got a great track record as a defensive coach. 
I think Wisconsin's going to be very good. I mean, you go back to sort of mid-late summer, and there was a lot of anxiety amongst Nebraska fans sitting around going like, God, did we get the right guy? Should we re- Maybe we should have gone after Fickle. Maybe that's who we really should have gone But you after. can say that about Lance Leipold. You can say that about anybody, right? Well, did you I see mean, my tweet earlier today? I did see it, and that's why I brought it up. Well, because you go back to a couple of weeks ago, and people were like, oh, my God, look at what Leipold's doing at Kansas. I mean, they had a really nice win over BYU on Saturday. And everybody's sitting there going like, okay, God, did we get the wrong guy? We should have gone after Leipold. Why didn't we go after somebody, not necessarily Dion, but somebody who would have done something like what Dion did at Colorado, come in, blow everything up, raid the transfer portal, dump the current roster, and let's just, we're going to completely change everything over in one foul swoop. Now, what's interesting is two things. Number one, Lance Leipold went two and ten his first. Yeah, yep. You think KU fans were sitting around going like, "Great, we got the right guy here." I mean, they are now. True that they they loved him last year. He he went six and seven last year. Had a had a I think it was did lose a bowl game. I think he lost the bowl game. I'd have to double check. I think he went into the bowl six and six. I didn't think he was one of those exception teams that went in at. At five and seven, and then won the bowl. Trav's looking I, it up right I, I, now. I'm, I'm looking up. I don't, I yeah, don't I, either either way, it. though, he was six and seven his second year, but he had some really nice wins his second year. He had, he kind of had those. Hey, we're making some changes. We're making some headway type wins his second year, and, and this year they're what three and four and They're four and now. So they're four and I did. I I understand. It's easy to look at a team like Kansas and go like, "God, did we, we should have gone after that guy?" Keep in mind, he was two and ten his first year. It's not like he had a great year. How soon we forget the classic Liberty Bowl of last year that went to overtime, where Arkansas won fifty five to fifty three over KU. There you go. Which, by the way, I watched that game. That now I remember. That was a fun game to watch. But you look at Colorado even where everybody was like, why couldn't we have gotten somebody who would come in and immediately blow shit up and completely change things over and we'd be winning right away too? And I think people were talking about that. And, dude, all it took was one game. And all of a sudden, everybody's like, <laughs> yeah, freaking look at Colorado. Screw those guys. Thank God we don't have Dion. Do you th- do you agree or disagree with me that Nebraska can win the West? Because I, I'm i not saying they're going to. I'm saying there's a pathway there. On paper, there's a pathway there. I, I'm, I mean, you've already got a West Division loss. You know what's going to – I was going to say, they're going to look back, and that Minnesota loss right now – It's going to haunt them. Is going to haunt Nebraska. Okay, well, here's the thing. I would freaking love that. If we get to the end of the season and we're sitting here going like, oh, my God, that freaking loss to Minnesota is what kept us out of the Big Ten title game. If we have that year one, I'm ecstatic. I will take that. Yeah, but but because let's that, not forget it, how bad the West is, because, right? No, I get it, but that also means <laughs> your predict your prediction of Nebraska taking where you took the over yeah. six and a half probably means you're coming out on top. I, there. I, I would agree with that. Now, there's still a possibility 
Iowa could go 11 and 1. I want you to go look at Iowa's schedule and go, yeah, it's possible. They have to go to Wisconsin yet, and they have to go to Nebraska, which I think are the hardest games the Hawks have left. They got blown out last night at Penn State. And, and it just highlights how bad the West is. Because when I say Iowa can go 11 and 1, it really can because the schedule's so bad. Iowa, Rob, th- these are the stats that blow me away. And I know people are going, oh, here we go. We're going to talk about Iowa. This is about the Big Ten West in general. Okay? Well, and we talk about Iowa a lot. I we mean, do. God, we've got more Iowa swag hanging on the <laughs> walls here. Of course, one doesn't have a lower jaw. but hey. um, Iowa ran, are you ready for this, 33 offensive plays. Yeah, that's sad. 33 offensive plays. They were on the, 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 the Penn State offense – Lead time of possession, 45-plus change yes, basically 15-plus change. Yes, basically 45 to 15. It was That's ugly. That's a brutal stat, by the, the way. The Iowa defense combined, I've never seen this, combined for 100 tackles. Yeah, that's nuts. Penn when you're State, on the field for 45 minutes, you're going to get that. Penn State, in today's game that it was supposed to speed up, you're supposed to be, you know, you need to lower the plays. Penn State ran 97 plays last night. Which is funny because that's the type of that's the type of stat that you would see from one of these like Houston teams from the early 1990s. Yes, with like Andre was it Andre, Andre Ware, Ware? Yeah. David Klingler, exactly. Yeah. It's like air raid Texas Tech kind of stuff where it's just play after play after play after play after play. That's the kind of numbers you'd expect, and that is not what Penn State does. It, it, I mean, Penn State's a really good football team. Uh, the crazy thing is that went to halftime. It was a 10 nothing game. But I, you, you know, you were talking about after the – because you guys do the, the pre- and post-game Hawkeye call-in show. I just you, do the post-game, but yeah. Okay, so you and Ross are doing that. Yep. You you told me before we were doing the show. I asked you how did it go, and you said there were a lot of people complaining about the defense. I mean, when you're when you when you have to give up 97 plays, those guys had to. Dude, the third stringers had to have been exhausted. Oh, it's it, it was it was crazy. Now let's take a look at the West Division over the weekend. Wisconsin beat Purdue on Friday night, 38-17. Penn State beat Iowa 31 to nothing. Illinois beat Florida Atlantic 23-17. Not North- exactly a resounding no. statement there. Which Kansas? Which I think Kansas is pretty good. Don't get me wrong. They're not great yet. But that's a pretty good team. Kansas beat Illinois. Illinois is not that good of a team. And and this is year three of Brett Bielema. You almost feel like this team is regressing, not getting they, better. They, well, his first two years, I thought they were on. I think there was a little bit of a step back here with some graduation losses he had. Northwestern rallies to beat Minnesota I'm in overtime, thirty-seven, thirty-four. I'm still trying to figure that one out, dude. That's horrible. That is absolutely. I mean, when horrible. we watched that that Nebraska Minnesota game, I I thought Minnesota definitely had. I thought Nebraska exposed some deficiencies in that team. I thought they'd shore a few of those things up, and we're just not seeing it quite yet. So remember, it used to be the Legends and Leaders Division, which was the dumbest thing I think I've ever remembered. <laughs> Since they've gone to the East West Division, how many times has the West won a Big Ten championship? I know Wisconsin has at least that was well, le- that was the leaders and legends division. So that was so Wisconsin's got the one there, but that was it. Was that the Russell Wilson year? Yeah, that's the year okay. they kicked Nebraska's butt. 
Okay, since they've gone to East-West, the West has never won a Big Ten title, ever. Wow. And it's What about all- 2015 when Iowa had that undefeated season? No, they lost to Michigan State. You remember that well. But they... But they were undefeated. No, they weren't. They were 12-2. and two. They lost to Michigan State, and they lost to Stanford in the Rose Bowl. I'm not sure I'd call that a loss in the Rose Bowl. That, that, that was a butt-kicking. That was a dirt road It's funny. I, I asked the question last night, have you ever seen an Iowa team play worse? And they're like, Rose Bowl? I said, no, it wasn't, because you ran 33 <laughs> plays. Rob, 33 that plays, inter- yeah, you, that was like a first quarter for you the, back in the day. They played better in the 2016 Rose Bowl game than they did against Penn State The West yesterday. is horrible. Absolutely yeah, horrible. Sad. Now, Nebraska's got an important – Nebraska's not going to go – they're not going to beat Michigan. Sorry, they're not going to beat Michigan. Michigan's see, really yeah, good. They're a very good team. But I think there's an important four-game stretch that could determine – Nebraska's fade in the West Division. Add but, Illinois. But here's the thing. The way this works out, it doesn't matter it if doesn't. your win or loss is in division or out of division. If it's a conference loss, it counts. True. They're 0-2 after next week in the conference. Okay, but let's assume – I'm going to assume – that the West is so bad, you're going to see Wisconsin lose a game or two to somebody they shouldn't lose to, or lose. And Iowa, Iowa could lose again too. I think Iowa, Wisconsin, are your teams to beat in the West. I really still I agree. believe I just, that. God, I just, I don't see even if Nebraska solidifies a few things and plays much better going forward. God, I have trouble seeing them finishing in a, any higher than third in, in in the division. Okay, I and I can respect that, but I think an important four game stretch. Really, after the Michigan game, at Illinois, winnable. You get, get Northwestern at home, winnable. Uh, Purdue at home, winnable. At Michigan State, that's winnable. Yeah, Michigan State. If it loses to Iowa this weekend, might as well just kick the you season. Think, in. You think guys cashing in? Yes. What yeah. I were what I wonder is at some point Michigan State DC guys start hitting the portal, maybe. I, I mean the writing's on the wall for Mel Tucker. Do you see them keeping Mel? No, he's no. They've already told him that he's going to get fired. He, yeah, he had like seven days to respond. I don't yeah, know they're just working. They're they're just working on the behind the scenes buyout shit right now. Well, I don't even know if they're doing buyout because they told him they're gonna fire him with cause. Now he needs to come yeah, back. Yeah, but they got it they're gonna give him something. I, I would, they're, they're, I gonna would agree. O- they're gonna offer him something to take the firing with cause and go away. And, and I can I I, w- I would assume that's the case. But e- either way, if you're a Michigan State player God, that's I mean that that's a tough situation to have to be in. But yeah, if they lose that one, I think they cash it in before Nebraska. So so I think they they beat Illinois. I think they beat Northwestern. I think they beat Purdue. I think they beat Michigan State. The interesting game is how they finish. Um, Maryland's an interesting. I, God, they got some offense. They do. They put up some yardage and they put up some points on yesterday. But you know what, Nebraska has pretty good defense. They really do. I'll, I'll be curious to see how that one goes because, I mean, the last few years, that's a game that was still a little bit of a dogfight. I think it's a well-coached team. I think they – I mean, they've got some players. they got a tag of ILO on the roster. I mean, that always helps. Uh, and then it goes to Wisconsin and Iowa at home. Listen, I you know me. I would sit here and tout the Hawkeyes as much as anybody, but with no offense whatsoever – and Nebraska winning in Iowa City here's, last year. Here's they, my worry about Nebraska versus Iowa this year. Remove Trey Palmer from last year's Nebraska-Iowa yeah. game. 
does Nebraska win that? Probably game? not. It gets really tough. Because keep in mind, think of all those turnovers Iowa had. And at the end of the day, they lost by what? One touchdown. I mean, you look at the stats that we've talked about with Scott Sprites or on the on the behind the points. And, on and what turnovers night, mean. And how powerful a statistic that is. And if you want to know what Nebraska that statistic sh- is. Yeah, Nebraska should have, if you go by those stats, Nebraska should have beat, I'm doing the math in my head here, and I'm going to I'm gonna have to loop back around to it. Nebraska should have beat Iowa by like 15 to 18 points last year. They, they, they won by seven. And if you want to know the stat we're talking about, go back to our YouTube page. Subscribe to our YouTube channel today. Uh, you won't regret it. There's a lot of good information there. But I think if you go to week three of Behind the Point Spread, there's a really good statistic on there where we talk about the importance of turnover margin. Well, then then the next week he hits the, the, the what is Field it? Field position. Well, the, yeah, the finishing the drive yes. statistic so and how that plays into Once wins you get to, to, to your opponent's 40 yard line, yeah. what that really means and being able to finish those drives. The, and, and that's a stat he came up with on his own. Yeah, that right now, I'm, 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 I'm kind of like pubbing our own stuff here a little bit. And it's okay. That's called promoting your own content. I, I love our podcast. I love you. Thank I you. Love, I love producer Owen. You hear that, Owen? You're getting some love over there, man. He Owen, loves you. Owen gets all the love. He does. Um, dude, the doc's diagnosis is great. Right now, in my opinion, if you want the, the best, and I'm going to phrase it this way, the smartest college football podcast show, however you want to phrase it. Is behind the point spread. Is behind the point spread. You don't have to be into gambling at all. You will learn more stuff watching that show, 45 minutes to an hour, Wednesday nights, than you will from anything else. And, and, you know, this podcast usually goes an hour, 10, hour and a half sometimes. We could easily, if we just didn't pick four games, we could easily do two to three hours. On of, behind the point spread. Yes, oh my. absolutely. Dude, it, it is amazing. We've barely scratched the surface of the stuff that Scott knows. We can bring that up with Scott. And if you, if you haven't watched it yet, it's going to be Wednesday night at 8 o'clock Central Time. It's live on our YouTube channel. You can also find it live on our Facebook page. Just search Doc Talk Sports. Give the channel a subscribe. You will not regret it. Um, you can call in. It's a live call-in show. You can interact on Facebook and YouTube comments. So if you have questions, and, and Rob brings up a good point. We talk about the point spread. We talk about the over-under, but there's so much more different it information. A, it is there. a college football yeah. show. Yeah. So... Um, yeah, so I think that the interesting part is the Maryland, Wisconsin, and Iowa games, that's where you'll figure out if, if Nebraska finishes third or maybe a little bit higher. If they can yeah, pull it and off. That's, and, and that's – I look at that and I'm like, God, if Nebraska comes out of those three games, one and two, I'm probably pretty happy. Yeah. Now, I say that after the first two games, I legit thought Nebraska was going to be one and one. Little bum, they went zero and two. I get it. I, I just, I, it, it's hard to predict that stuff. I'm but just I mean, if Nebraska go, if Nebraska can come out of the Maryland, Wisconsin, Iowa run at one and two, I'm gonna say I'm happy with that. You know, the interesting part is that it's in bunch of candy nuts every day to be Christmas, right? But that Minnesota loss is going to, that's gonna be the one that bites you in the ass. 
It really is. It, it is. I mean, it, you, you talk about that playing into the Big Ten West. Probably my bigger fear is do we get to the end of the year and that's the game that keeps Nebraska out of a bowl game. Ooh. If it is, that means I didn't hit the over. So Yeah, I mean, that's the thing I worry about because it, I think it is incredibly underrated how big a deal that is for teams. And it's getting to that postseason – you are tacking on a month to your season. Yeah. Basically, you're adding a month to your season, a month's worth of practice. So, and the way I the way I describe that to people, or the way I explain it to people in terms of the impact that that has, if you look at a guy that plays three to four years of college football for a team, whatever team, if it is a team that goes to a bowl game year in and year out, let's take Nebraska of the 1990s because that's when I was there. Every year, you were going to go to a bowl game. If you were a guy that redshirted and played, by the time you got to the bowl game as a fifth-year senior, you had five additional months under your belt of college football that you wouldn't have had otherwise. And if you think about, well, let's say August, September, October, November, because the college football season ends end of November, and then it's bowl game or playoff season after that. That's four months. So you're getting, if you're a fifth-year senior going to a bowl game, as you're going into that bowl game, you actually have the equivalent of a little bit more than a sixth year of experience over somebody who hasn't gone to a bowl game consistently. I, mean, I never thought of it like that. You always hear about the extra practice yeah, time, but could, when you put it in that yeah, that could, number, it makes a lot more sense. If you're a team that consistently goes to a bowl game every year, by the time a kid's a senior, they've essentially racked up an additional season of practice wow. time just by virtue of the fact they're going to a bowl most years. Wow. That you know that, that those are like numbers that can use be behind the point spread. I mean exactly. that, I mean that because that does make a difference. That's a lot of that's a lot of developmental and practice time for a guy. Now, of course, behind the point spread is uh, presented by Betfred Sports and Fred is your guy when you want to bet more. More bonuses, more bets right now when you get uh when you bet uh your if your team if you bet and your team loses in overtime, um you'll you're going to get your money back. What a great deal. So if your team goes to overtime, you're going to get your money back. If and they, loses. And loses. Not a bad deal. Uh, when you bet on a player to score first, you get double the price if they score twice. New customers can get more than $1,000 in bonuses. Betfred is the bonus king. Terms and conditions do apply. you got to be 21-plus. Wagers only accepted in the states where Betfred is doing business. You can find those at betfredsports.com. And if you do have a gambling problem, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Of course, Nebraska is coming off a uh, 28-14 win over La Tech. That's why we made a pivot, right? We were going to start talking off about that game, but the Big Ten West just seemed much more of an interesting topic because we're talking about Louisiana Tech. Does anybody really care about La Tech? Well, it was weird, Rob, uh, it was weird, Rob because I texted you. You were at the Augustana game yesterday, and I'm like, dude, it's it's 7-7 <laughs> at halftime. This isn't what it was supposed to be. No. Well, and if you listen to, again, when we were talking to Scott about the power ratings, he said La Tech was what? I mean... Horrible. Brutal. It was, it was in like the hundreds. Yes. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's kind of scary. Now, let's talk about the positive to start with. And, and another reason to subscribe to the Doc Talk Sports YouTube channel 
is the Doc's Diagnosis presented by Centris Federal Credit Union. We, uh, we each and every week. And because Rob's an offensive tackle, he tends to focus a lot on the offensive line. A little is, bit. Which little is fine. Uh, but the, the rush block game for Nebraska, exceptional against La Tech. The Huskers go for 312 yards. 312 yards. Which is solid. I mean... <sighs> God, if we didn't have 400, we were pulling the razor blades out. I yeah, but times have changed, you. my friend. It, it has. Um, and, and there's some there, there's some little, I, I, I don't know, exceptions and caveats and things like that that I think are worth pointing out. I mean, because you look at Harburg, who, who led the team in rushing from the quarterback spot, which, number one, if your quarterback is your leading rusher, that might be a problem. Well, that's the Eric Crouch days. Well, it, unless you are a true, like the old school, Barry Switzer, Oklahoma, Fisher to Barry D. Dallas at Air Force Academy, like the true wishbone offense. If your quarterback is your leading rusher, unless you're one of the, if you're if you're not Oklahoma or, or Air Force, that's a problem. You do not want your quarterback to be your leading rusher. Well, look I, at Jeff Sims early on, and now Harburg. I get it. It's it, it's at some point though. It creates so there's there's multiple things here. One, you're you're putting the guy who's your main signal caller at risk. That guy is getting beat up. The other problem is is there's a one dimensional aspect to this where teams can look at you and go, okay, who's going to burn us in this game? Who is the guy that's going to come out and potentially win the game against us? If your quarterback's the leading rusher, that's an easy problem to solve for most defenses. Hey, we're putting a guy on this guy, and we are not letting him get any more than one or two yards past the line of scrimmage every single time. There you go. You got to be able to spread that ball around. You got to have more than one weapon. And right now, you know, I thought Anthony. By the way, I thought Anthony Grant looked great. Yeah, he had uh, he, he had uh, 135 yards and 19 carries. Exactly, and it's so Nebraska. I think Nebraska's finding some of these other weapons. I feel bad about the fact that when you look at Gabe Irvin uh, going down with the injury, when you look at Ramir Johnson going down with an injury, those are things that are concerning. On the flip side, Nebraska does still have some other weapons at running back, and I hope some of these guys continue to step up like we saw with Anthony Grant. Bottom line is, is that you don't want to see your quarterback to be the leading rusher. Now, to be fair, he had 159 yards on 19 carries. Now, the but, 72 yarder is a big part of that. But and that's the thing. I think the stat that I saw that again you got to be a little concerned about was all but 10 yards of those of that yardage total came on three carries. So he basically got his entire yardage total on three plays. So do you look at that differently then, knowing that three plays got him the yards and he's still the leading rusher? Because it's not like yeah. not like Eric that, that is concerning or it's not concerning. It is concerning. Well, okay, tell me why? Because you still would have had a running back well, with 135 no, yards. I get that. I mean, and it's there's a positive there too. That it's like, hey, we got a guy. Well, because that was my concern about Harburg versus Sims. Because you could look at Sims and go, hey, here's a guy who's a little bit of a quick strike guy with his feet who could, this is the guy who could potentially take it to the house from 40 yards out, 70 yards out, whatever, 
Can Harburg do that? The guy's speed is pretty impressive for a big, and, and he's got size. And, say, and same thing as Sims for a big dude. Both those guys can run. I I was impressed. I love to see that. The thing is, is you want consistency though. You want that guy. Like I probably worry more about the guy that's going to get eight to twelve yards a carry as opposed to the guy that we're going to stuff him for a one-yard loss or a one-yard gain, nine out of ten plays, but he's got the potential to bust a big one. You know, I want to stop. I I want the guy that – I worry about the guy that's going to get that consistent five to ten yards every time. Those are the dudes you worry about because that means in reality you're really not stopping that guy. I, I liked seeing the big plays. I like seeing the offense. I, I, I know Nebraska is a team that for several years we've been talking about, hey, it'd be great to see some of these big plays again. And we're seeing that under this offense right now before our eyes. Everybody's kind of, I mean, hop on social media. Everybody's bitching about Satterwhite. But um, <laughs> he, he's not Brian Ferentz. So, yeah, Jesus. So, Jesus. But it's. I, I would like to see more consistency. I'd like to see. Okay, let me give you consistency. When, when Harburg or Sims runs the ball, I'd like to see them get four yards, five yards, six yards, eight yards, then a 72-yarder, which you don't like is them one yard, minus a yard, three yards, minus two yards, zero yards, then a 72-yarder. And by the way, I screwed up. Uh, Anthony Grant had 22 carries, not 19. But you want consistency. How about this, Rob? And they're celebrating this now. And I have to, I'm have i going to give you the stat because you're like, God, if we didn't get 400 yards, we, we had to like run stairs. Uh, Nebraska, for the first time since 2018, has rushed for 200 or more yards in three consecutive games. That's like one of their big notes. Hey! That's actually kind of a nice thing to see. I mean, if it you is. look at if you look at things that Rule talked about coming into the season, one of the things that he talked about was being a more physical offensively and having a more consistent run game. That's a good thing. I the tough thing about this season is you grab another beer. Well, oh, Jason, the pills Jason, for me, Jason huh? so I'm going with a Rheingeist out of Cincinnati. By the way, this six-point brewing is pretty good stuff. Do you, okay, the six-point is good. It's, we drank it all. But yeah, and this thing's a 9.1. This is – we're, we're going to be drunk by the end of this podcast. You understand that, right? Well, I don't know about that. Oh, no. we're This is 9.1, dude. You just drank a 9.1. No, I drank a 6.5, dude. All right, we're napping in Trav's basement. Well, Um, the wife's got uh, pulled pork on upstairs. There we go. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna eat some swine afterwards. That's right. Um, Okay, so we're so the two hundred yards per game, three straight games. First time that's happened since two thousand eighteen. Okay. I love that, and I like the direction that we're seeing. I call that a behind-the-scenes developmental stat because it's things that show, okay, we're moving in a good direction here. And this is something that, God, we had this discussion on Twitter, and this goes back to the whole thing where we were talking, well, very early in the show about 
Lance Leipold and did Nebraska yeah. did Nebraska get the right guy? And everybody's like, oh, well, why couldn't we have gotten a Dion to come in and blow everything up and we win right away? Why couldn't we get a Lance Leipold? Look at what he's done at Kansas. And I'm like, okay, people, keep in mind, Lance Leipold went 2-10 and 10 in year one. It's That wasn't a great year. And everybody was like, hey, did we get the right? I mean, all of the, the, the hardcore KU football fans, all seven of them, were sitting around going like, God, did we get the right guy here? Maybe we should have like hired Mangino back or something. You no, know, I was thinking when Owen went to school at KU, and Owen will remember this, we went down to watch. I mean, they suck so bad. Les Miles was the head coach. We didn't even need tickets. We just walked right in, right? I was watching yesterday. I, how much has changed? You know, and of course, as soon as my son leaves KU, they get good at football. They seem like a real program. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, and you know, credit. And again, we're going to be big Lance Leipold fans. And I've got a text from Lance Leipold. He tells me during the off season he's going to come up and be a guest on the podcast. I would love to, ha- dude, and, pick and, that guy's brain. And the reason, you know, Lance and I go back to when his first year at, at UNO was my first year in Omaha. That was nineteen ninety four. So that Pat Burns staff came in. Lance was a part of it. Uh, he went to work for Bill Callahan at, at Nebraska, came back to UNO, and then the rest is history because he went to Whitewater. But I've, I've, I keep I keep pounding him, hey, during the offseason, because his wife Kelly's from 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 Lincoln, so there's there's some there's he he gets up here more than we think, so he's gonna he's gonna slip into the basement. Okay, <laughs> we're gonna get him into the speaking of slipping into okay, the basement. Okay, that sounds kind of dirty. When it you it say does. That. But Joe Mowgli is coming back to the basement. All we right, love Joe. So, so Joe Mowgli, of course, uh, former. Uh, President and chairman of, of TD Ameritrade. They'd made the big switch to Charles Schwab, uh, former uh, Coastal Carolina coach. I get a text on Friday. Hey, I'm coming to town. Can I visit with you and Rob? Love I don't te- You don't tell a billionaire no, right? No. No. <laughs> From an information standpoint... What a gold mine. I true. Absolutely. But he's been very, very active in commenting on the NIL space, transfer portal space. He's not gonna get his way in this. He's not. It, it, no, but his viewpoint, he makes God, he makes some great points. And and here's the thing, he and I kind of disagree on a lot of I, I would stuff. agree. But you know what? You can disagree respectfully. And, yeah. And and of course he hired Tim Beck, former Nebraska offensive coordinator to be um, the head coach at Coastal Carolina. So we'll talk to him uh, about that move and, and everything about that. Let's go back to the Nebraska Law Tech game. Uh, the rushing yard's great. We And if you subscribe to Love the YouTube to see channel, it. see the diagnosis. Okay, okay when, so here's the thing. Sorry, we, we kind of digressed here a we little did. bit. We were talking about Nebraska, what is it, three straight games of 200-plus yards yes. rushing. yes. There are some developmental things I'm seeing in Lincoln right now that I that I really like. It's not going to necessarily pay off this year. If they keep doing those kinds of developmental things, it is going to pay off eventually. And that's why it's it's God, I've I don't know if I'm if I would phrase it as hey, I'm really excited to see where Nebraska goes with Matt Rule. I'm buying into Matt Rule. I'm on the Matt Rule train. I, I'm not necessarily saying that. It's just I'm seeing some things that I think are foundational type improvements. Improvements. Thank you for a football program that you. Drinking. Thank you that you got to have if you're going to get better over time. 
And I'm not saying that this season is a lost season or a scrapped season. It's This is a case of where I'm seeing them make some improvements in real time that I think are going to pay dividends going forward. And even if you look at Nebraska right now and you're sitting there going, God, I don't know if we hired the right guy. I'm still very firmly in that, like, yeah, you know what? I'm seeing some stuff I really do like. Let's give this a couple of years because I think if we keep seeing this, we're going to end up in a pretty good spot. I, I think Nebraska would be in a good spot with Matt Rule. I do. I, I It's just – and I, I talked to some people at Nebraska during the offseason. We were told he would come into the basement. Uh, I, I'm told that Matt Rule is going to make a visit to the basement during the offseason. I'll believe it when I see it. But Would love it. I think he would have a blast up here, right? Uh, but the, the 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 run block, and we go to it on the diagnosis, is improving. What's not improving, and it was atrocious against uh. La Tech, which is going to lead us into the Michigan game, was the pass block. Harburg was sacked three times. His helmet was ripped off once. That dude, he's going to be, if that keeps up, Rob, he's going to be lucky to be alive by the end of the season. Yeah, although he's not your prototypical quarterback. I mean, that guy's basically a... He's a small tight end lining up as quarterback. I get that. I mean, that's a big, strong, athletic but kid. But you can only take a beating for so long. I get it. Um, and we go over some of the stuff in the doc's diagnosis. The thing that was disappointing to me when we were when I watched the passing game on Saturday is that it wasn't necessarily, hey, this guy just flat out kicked your ass. It, it was more of this... Okay, that was a technique thing. That was a scheme thing. That was a not keeping your eyes up on who you're supposed to have your eyes on kind of well, thing. One thing I learned because... Those, those are correctable problems. But One thing I learned from you, I never thought of it like this. We've talked many times about how a quarterback, Jeff Sims, will telegraph his his passes. Yeah, I mean, okay? he's, looking at, he's yes. looking at his first read the whole way. Last week, we talked about how running backs need to have vision to be able to see the bigger picture... I never thought about the vision of an offensive line because it's so split. It's a split second decision, right? But you go is, into but deep it's for detail. All these guys, yeah. But I didn't realize that. Maybe it's just because I'm an idiot. And I don't pay attention to that thing, and I and I think you're a baseball guy. I, no, but you see it more with a quarterback. You see it more with uh, a running back when you slow mo it and you draw it out like you did on the diagnosis. You go, oh. He had about a half a second, but you have to do it to pick up that block. Yeah, there there is a lot of keeping your eyes up, full field vision that you got to have as an offensive lineman. And and we saw in what we're talking about, it was blitz pickups. Yeah, where the blitz is coming from, who are you going to help out with? If if you're a guy that's a little bit uncovered on the offensive line, and you you've you've got that ability to kind of move around and pick somebody else up. We saw a failure to do that that resulted in a sack against Harburg on Saturday. And that's one of those things that we got to see a continued improvement. But with. but you understand that the La Tech defense is going to be nothing compared to what Michigan is, right? What? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> and listen, I, I, I think Rutgers is better than most people think. And, and in fact, if they're in, during a power rating, I like their Rutgers coach. is, I is number Shana's five a, in the I, power ratings right now. So it goes, it goes. Uh, let's say the top three: Ohio State, Michigan, and and, uh, and Penn State. Iowa is fourth. Rutgers is number five in the power ratings. 
Their that's defense kind of is pretty impre- good. That's an impressive stat. Yeah, yeah. they've you've got a team that's capable of doing some very good things. They're a very well coached team. Shiano's a great coach. He really is. I uh yeah, I, I worry about Michigan. What was the final? Was it 31 7? 31-7. 31-7. It was a pretty good game early on, but then I'm telling you, I, I mean, I like McCarthy at quarterback. He's so good. Corum at running back. That dude's a beast. Corum's a beast. He is. And these are guys that Nebraska's seen a couple of times already. Yeah. So, I mean, I think McCarthy's great. Corum's great. Um, God, that's a good offensive line. It is. That might be consistently, in terms of a tackle-to-tackle across the board, the last three to four years, the best offensive line in college football. Wow. That, that's a bold statement, Mood. But you, year, I don't, I don't think you're in, wrong. Year in and year out, they're probably the best. Georgia's been up there. Alabama's been up there. But tackle to tackle in terms of consistent productivity, that Michigan offensive line has been great. And that's something I worry about. I worry about their defense because I think it's very underrated. Um, I'm curious to see what we see on Nebraska's offensive line here in the next week or so. And the reason I say that is when you look at what we've seen the last couple of weeks, you really want to see Teddy Prohaska out there. Now he's played a couple of the last. I mean, the last time we saw him truly healthy was against Michigan two years ago, and that was the game he got injured, really bad knee injury, um, had that ACL tear again. He was blocking Hutchinson, and it was basically a he planted his foot. There was a little bit of a funny twist, and that that knee just popped and gave out. Uh but I would love to see him healthy and back locking down that left tackle spot. And if he is, it, it, in my opinion, it completely changes the whole dynamic of Nebraska's offensive line. Because if you can lock down that left tackle spot, all of a sudden you can take an extra blocker and move them around to help out at other places. You can have a running back, H-back, tight end. They can be kind of protecting the middle of the pocket a little bit. They can move over and help Ben Hart at the right side. You don't – as much as I appreciate what Corcoran has done or tried to do as a left tackle, when the guy is built like a guard or a center from a skill set standpoint, you got to have a little bit of help for him out there. And I think you put pro, a healthy Teddy Prohaska out there, a left tackle, and all of a sudden you got a guy that can go toe to toe with some of the with, with first round NFL draft picks. I, and, and I, I'm sure there's a little trepidation about putting him in there for all time, right? I mean, because they, and that's but, a, but sooner or later you just got to get yeah. here it is, right? And that's the thing. I mean, they've been playing him. He's been playing as a. In these heavy packages, as an extra tight end on a lot of plays the last couple of weeks, and he just lights dudes up on, on these run blocking plays. It's just God. He is just head and shoulder. Okay, that was horrible. The guy's like six eleven. I just said he's <laughs> he's head and shoulders above anybody else. Um, but he is he, the, from a pass protection standpoint from that skill set. Teddy is head and shoulders above anybody else on that offensive line. He really is. And 
it, it just, God, it changes things. All of a sudden, you got somebody who can lock down the blind side for the quarterback, and, and you can take that help and move it elsewhere. It, God, that would be great to see him back. I, I don't know. I mean, teams these days, everybody's so mum about the health of the players, and I totally understand that. I don't. I don't. Yeah, you mean, got, the Big Ten's requiring you to release before the game anyway who's playing who's not playing, so you're yeah, going to know I get beforehand. It. It, it's just – it would be nice to know if he's healthy or not, and God, I hope he is because, man, the guy is a game changer. He really is. Michigan comes into the game averaging 405 yards of total offensive game. They only give up 231. Here's a level of consistency, Rob. This is impressive. Um, East Carolina, they opened the season with, beat 30-3. to Turn around, beat UNLV thirty-five to seven. Beat Bowling Green thirty-one to six. Beat Rutgers thirty-one to seven. I mean, it's just that's consistent across the board, just score-wise. It is. What's interesting to me there's other than Rutgers, who we already talked about, well-coached team, probably a little better than what I think people give them credit for. It's not a super tough schedule. It's not. No, it's not. Nebraska, and it's not like you look at Nebraska and go like, "Oh my God, the Huskers have played this absolute gauntlet." Now, they haven't either. The, the one thing Nebraska has going for it against Michigan, and I'm giving I'm giving the crowd credit here, is that it's at home. That's about, that's about it. Yeah, and I can't think of anything else. Is there anything else Nebraska has that that gives it a bit of advantage? They're, I I don't know. I'll drink I'll drink something weird next week if Nebraska wins, but I just don't see it. I, I don't either. I mean, I, th- I think Nebraska, when you look at the strength of Michigan's schedule, I think Nebraska is a team that fits in there with somebody like Rutgers. Do you think the three three five throws anything off of, offensively for Jim Harbaugh and, and that offense? Or yeah, they'll figure it out. They do, I know. You know, it, and that's another thing. Harbaugh, when he first started Michigan, total douchebag, right? I mean, there, there's no doubt about it. He 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 had so you see a lot of coaches try to work. I call it the shtick angle. Yeah. It's like row the boat with Flacco. Remember Minnesota. when they went to like Rome and all these places for spring football? Yeah, it just and, and then when he was going to get fired, he just like shut up and just started coaching. And you're like, oh, you're a pretty good coach. Yeah, if he just shuts the hell up and coaches, I think he's good. But the shtick thing came out at um, you didn't see it at Stanford so much. It kind of surfaced at at the 49ers. And I don't know if it's something that it's kind of internally within his own head created a distraction. I don't know if that's the right word, but it's you're you're right though. He shut the hell up and just started coaching a couple of years ago, and all of a sudden, Michigan became a really really good football team. And yeah, and they're and they're really good this year. Here's, how about this, Ross or Rob? They're twenty two of forty on third down conversion. That's fifty five percent against La Tech. Nebraska, uh, not very good on third down. Uh, just three of eleven on third down. Yeah, the, actually, no, I thought that was one of the brutal stats for yeah. Nebraska. For Michigan, and it's there is a consistency there that they've developed, and, and it's it's kind of these fundamental things that you that you love to have. They play really, really, really good defense, and, and they have for the last three or four years. They have had, I already said it, probably over the last four seasons, consistently the best offensive line in college football. They've had steady quarterback play. It's not like anybody's looking at McCarthy and going, okay, well, this guy's like 
the the next Jalen Hurts or Tua Tega Vilo. Well, the interesting but, thing about McCarthy, and, and I'm going to bring this back to the Iowa game because everybody thought Cade McNamara was going to be the second coming for for Iowa, right? And it was like, well. He's putting up Spencer Petras like numbers. Here's the deal. Cade McNamara had a really good cast of characters around him when he took him to the college football playoff. You need an entire team. One guy in college football is not going to – this isn't basketball. One guy in basketball can can light it up. One guy in football isn't going to win a bunch of games. Yeah, but when I look at Michigan last year, was that McNamara's team no, or was that McCarthy's no, it, team? It was, see, McNamara got hurt. Remember, First of all, yeah. he got benched. But McNamara took him to the college football playoff the year before. He did, but he did it with a really good team around. And then him. he got beat out by McCarthy. Yes. yes. So I mean, I, I kind of lump that into the. A lot of times, you got to be really careful when you look at these transfers, and people look at a trans. Oh, hey, dude, we just signed so and so from Georgia or so and so from Ohio State. They were a four-star kid coming out of high school, and they there's were a, a reason five- they left. Exactly. There is a reason they did not crack the starting lineup where they were at. Or or if you feel like you have to leave, Jeff Sims. There's a reason they left. Exactly. There yeah. McNamara left Michigan for a reason, and that reason is named McCarthy. So how about this? Michigan has only allowed teams into the red zone six times this year. That's a great stat. Who, who's their D coordinator again? I oh, keep blanking. Sorry. Well, you dropped that on me. Sorry. I know. Uh, let's let our producer look that up while we're talking about this. So, nice. Oh, and uh, the defensive coordinator for, for Michigan, if you but can find played, it. But they've played great defense the last several years. They, they have. They, they got, really, really have. They got Ernst, Ho- Ernest Hossman playing And they've only given them. up one red zone touchdown. The other, the other two scores have been field goals. One God, red zone a, touchdown of six times in the red zone. That's a brutal stat. Now, those are stats that, as an opponent, you hate hearing that. Because that just said that that's like abandon all hope, abandon hope, all ye who enter here kind of stats. <laughs> Little Dante for you there. Have you read the Divine Comedy? Yeah. You have read the Divine Comedy? Yeah. Uh, like books on tape, or did you actually get the Divine Comedy and read the damn No, I thing? read the book. I mean, I was a senior in high school. You would love to go to the Basilica de Santa Croce in in Florence because outside of the Basilica de de Santa Croce is a massive statue of Dante. And they don't know where his body... I don't think they know where Dante's body is because inside the Santa Croce, Galileo's buried there and Michelangelo's buried in in the Santa Croce. Uh, but But, you know... Dante was like they banned. Lost, they lost to Dante. Well, he was banned from the city. So, but now Wait, you realize why was he banned? Because you know he he didn't go. He didn't follow the rules. He was kind of a a rebel rouser. And so I don't know if they know where Dante's body is, but there's a huge statue of Dante outside. Probably the, dust. Now. Yeah. Well, well, that's true. But Did you want uh, Michigan or Michigan State? Michigan. Okay, it looks like Jesse Minter. Jesse Minter. That name's completely not ringing a bell for me. He's the defensive coordinator, huh? Huh. For the Wolverines. Yeah. All right, there you go. Guess what? Jesse Minter is a pretty goddamn good <laughs> coordinator. <laughs> he is, isn't he? Yeah. So, anyway, I guess, yeah, I just... 
I look at Michigan. That's God. That's a tough road to hoe. Yeah, I mean, I just chalk it up as that you're going to lose that game. Yeah, I mean, now you look at Nebraska two years ago in Lincoln. Did I expect to see that? Not necessarily, but that was a Nebraska team that, man, they lost every single game they played by an average of, what, like two and a half points. Yeah, well, that's so true. Of course, it is Beat Michigan Week at Husker Hounds, 25% off court heads. It's getting cooler outside. It's the perfect time to start wearing fleece. New fleece is arriving daily and 25% off selected fleece items now until kickoff of the Michigan game. Two locations in the Omaha area, the Superstore at 84th and Center and out west at 171st in Lake Hill, Lakeside Hills Plaza. Or you can uh, make it easy on yourself. Go to huskerhounds.com where you get free shipping on orders over $50 and a flat shipping rate of $4.95, anything under $50. Don't forget, if you need legal help, uh, Connor Orr at Orrin Horgan is uh, the attorney that we choose to to do business with and talk to and have on the podcast because he's a smart dude. He's a Jasker. He's a hockey fan. And he's passionate about NIL. Connor is a friend of the podcast and a licensed sports agent in the state of Nebraska. He works directly with athletes and businesses to help them navigate the ever-changing landscape of name, image, and likeness. Connor also focuses on corporate and personal injury litigations in both Nebraska and Iowa. And he can work with you on your business planning, estate planning, and real estate transactions. Call Connor or today at 402-408-6488. This was one of the better weekends in college football we've seen in some time. Great matchups. Great. You had Ole Miss, Alabama. You had a Clemson, Florida State. Congratulations on the Florida State win, by the way. That was kind of a fun one. Took it uh, overtime, though. Yeah, it, it, but that, that's what makes college football fun. It does. It does. Which, you, I, I mean, a lot of people, you know, you see a lot of these games, people were kind of begging on Florida State, well, like, well, God, Clemson's not that good. You look at who they've lost to. God, that's a rivalry game. Those two teams do yeah. not like each other. And Clemson still has some very good athletes. It's a well-coached team. Dabo's a great coach. But And it was in Death Valley. In Death Valley. That was a great comeback from Florida State. They're going to be in this thing at the end of the season. Of course, you had Ohio State and Notre Dame. and it, So some of the Notre Dame, the way that played out at the end of the game, holy cow. Did they have 10 guys on the field? Two plays in a row. Oh, that's bad. They only had 10 guys out Especially there. Especially on the pass. The run, that's a yard. You're, I think you're going to get it. But the pass, that, yeah, that, that extra player. Brutal. But there was there was some smack talk in the Ohio State-Notre Dame game. And it started on the Pat McAfee show on ESPN. And by the way, McAfee makes College Game Day the best show in the world. I know that's going to piss some people off. But College Game Day has gone Let to, me rephrase that. Pat McAfee might be great. Game day's not. Yeah, but McAfee gives it a different energy. It does. It, it, it just, to me, it should just be get everybody else off and let McAfee do whatever he does because McAfee's he's he's awesome. Uh, but Lou Holtz was on the McAfee show. I think it was on Friday and had this to say. Notre Dame is a better football team than Ohio State. Love hearing that. Please, and, and let me tell you why. We have the best offensive line in the country. Sam Hartman won't even get his dirty, dirty all year. He has time to throw the football. The offensive line, we have great running backs. Esteem is averaging about 10 yards a carry. We have great receivers. So offensively, we're set. Defensively, our defensive line's better. 
and you look at Coach Day, and I coached at Ohio State under Woody Hayes. We won the national championship when I was there. That's right. So I'm proud of that. However, <laughs> he has lost to Alabama, Georgia, twice. Clemson, twice. Michigan twice, and everybody that beats him does so because they're more physical than Ohio State. And I think Notre Dame will take that same approach. Now, first okay, of all. Well, so a few things here. Number one, everybody doesn't beat Ohio no, State. No, it doesn't. Well, he, he brought up the, the, the big games, right? So yeah. that's, that's, that's what he was talking about. I get it. Uh, now, Lou Holtz. I freaking hate Lou Holtz. Do you really? I didn't yeah. know that. You hate Lou Holtz? It's a Notre Dame thing. When he was there, I just, oh. Okay, but you bring up a very good point. No, Lou Holtz loves Notre Dame. Even when he was on ESPN, he he eats, shits, breathe, pukes, you name it, it's all Notre he Dame. He sweats. He does. Golden dust. Okay? It is what it is. And you know that Damn, going in. are you in. having another six-pointer? Damn. I'm going to start calling you Brian Ferentz all these six-point games. Okay, but... Holtz is like one of these lovable guys. He no, just he's not. Look, he's a douche. Yeah. Well, see, that's where you and I disagree. And that, and I'm not a Lou I Holtz have fan. Never been a Lou Holtz fan. If people forget that Lou Holtz was a head coach at Minnesota. Isn't that hard to believe? Who's that? He was head coach at Arkansas. Well, Arkansas is where I remember him when he went to Minnesota. Okay. I thought that was weird. He was the head coach of the Jets. Hell, remember that? But yeah, Lou that Holtz, was pretty forget. Even he, for for Jets fans, that's forgettable. Lou Holtz is like a. A caricature of himself. He's become like Chris Bourbon. I mean, it's a speech and everything like that. I mean, he's just one of these. He's fun, lovable guy. Okay. No, he's not. Okay. Rob says no. This is after the game. Ryan Day, head coach of of Ohio State, says it's always been. It's always been Ohio against the world. A lot of people took a lot of shots at this team over the last forty eight hours, and uh, it, it really hit home to me. And you know, the way that our team played, you know, not only did we physically get after these guys last year, but we did it again here at the end of the game. And I think it says a lot about this team. And, you know, I'm really upset and disrespected by what Lou Holtz said publicly about our team and Ohio State and Buckeye Nation. And we're not going to stand for that because that's not even close to true. We had one bad half a couple years ago up in Ann Arbor. We did in the second half. But we, we, every game we play in, we're physical. We are. I don't know where that narrative comes from, but that ends tonight. This team right here showed toughness, they showed grit, they didn't give up, and they found a way to get that last yard. And I'm sick over those short yardages that we didn't finish, but but that's the game. And the last matchup game we were in, we were one play short. This play, we finished it the right way, and I'm really proud of our team. I don't, I don't know where he gets off saying those type of things. I don't. I don't. I mean, I, like, I have some other things I'd like to say too, but I'm not going to say that because I'm more respectful than he is. See, I, I, see that's the kind of stuff that I'm just like, I, I totally – I think I agree with you on this. If you're Ryan Day, dude, just shut the you hell up. You come off as a dick. I don't – you know, I don't know about that. But, but I think listen. You, you come off as somebody who is worried about outside influences that at the end of the day don't really actually influence anything. And that's what's disappointing because that was one of the things that I liked about Tom Osborne is when I played in Lincoln – you don't think we didn't have those same outside influences. Now I get the fact you didn't have social media, you didn't have the media in general compared to this. But 
it's not like we cared what anybody else thought of us. You had more of a focus on yourself as a player and as a team, and you didn't worry about what anybody in the media said about you. Here's the deal. Lou Holtz is 86 years old. It was like weekend at Bernie's on that stage. He looked like a dead man up there just talking, okay? Well, that was Lee Corso. Uh, Well, don't even get me started on Corso. Why ESPN didn't ditch him, I have no idea. And I get it. You're trying to be respectful. The dude is stroked out, and it's bad television. It's just, it really is. It really kind of is. I will give you that. Lou Holtz is off TV now. They had him back because he's Notre Dame and McAfee had him on the show. But he's just... He's just an old dude okay, up there talking. Okay, you just talking. told me you love Lou Holtz. I like Lou Holtz, but Ryan Day comes off as a dick here. Well, he does. and he come, Okay, Ryan Day comes off as the guy in the position as the head of an organization, as the professional, who is basically going out and completely publicly admitting he allowed somebody else to get under his skin. Yeah, because you know why? And if somebody gets under your skin because of that, there might be a hint of truth to it. Remember, you know, when you get called out for something in front of a group, in front of a meeting, and you get defensive right away, it's probably because they're fucking right. A little bit. Damn, yeah. sorry, Dave. No, I, I, I mean... I, it happens I to get, me. No, I, I, I overreact. Yeah. I'm like, oh my god, I got caught. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to fight my way out of this. If it's completely not true, you don't worry. You about don't care. It. Yeah, you really don't. You're like, whatever. What a clown. Well, and, but that's the thing about coaches and about football teams. Nobody wants to be called out as lack of toughness, lack of physicality. Those are, I mean, that that that's fighting words for for football. So, I, I I mean, I see that, but the thing is, is from a professionalism standpoint, that's one of those things where it's like, eh, guess what? We won the game. We're just going to let that speak for itself. That's like the best defense ever. That's the best comeback ever is you just went and won the game. And, I mean, people can talk about, well, Notre Dame only had 10 guys on the field for those last two plays. Uh, it, it was a last play win. I, the bottom okay, so let's say Ohio State loses that game. Yeah. That's a hell of a close loss. And they're gonna say but Lou Holtz one, is right. It's a one score loss against a very good Notre Dame team at Notre Dame, national TV, huge spotlight on the game. Whether you're Notre Dame losing the game or Ohio State losing the game. There's some games that you lose and you're pissed you lost the game. You're upset you lost the game. I will never set ba- step back and say, hey, there's good losses. But there's losses that are less, I don't know the word I'm looking yeah, for. Ohio State, damaging. The, yes. Whoever lost this game. It wasn't a damaging loss to either team. Well, if you ask Paul Feinbaum, who, whatever about okay, Paul Feinbaum. Okay, when it comes to people whose opinions I do not listen to, Feinbaum is one of them. He is the dumbest smart guy ever. <laughs> he's the guy. And he's listen, a shill. He, he's the guy. He, he didn't even play sports in high school, right? I, I understand that I wasn't a college athlete, but I played sports 
Four sports all the way through high school. He's he the guy bullied by the chess club. He, members. he did. He he really really did. He says Notre Dame's out of the playoff because they lost. I'm like, yeah, I wouldn't go that far. Losing losing to to, to Ohio State by three points isn't going to knock you out of the playoff yet. Although it kind of creates a dynamic here because let's say Michigan and Ohio State remain unbeaten until yeah the Michigan Ohio State game. But and let's say that's a close game. One of them picks up a loss. Both of them could end up in the playoffs. But you could still have Georgia I, in the playoffs. You could have Florida State in the playoffs. You could still have LSU in the playoffs. You're right. I'm going to go back. Alabama only has one loss to a very good Texas team. Alabama could still be in the playoff. Texas could still be in the playoff. It, there's a lot. There's there's a lot of good. There are undefeated slash one loss teams that could be in there. One loss could be pretty damaging. Yeah, I, I get that. I'm agree. I, but, it's like I hate to say this for once. I think this might be the first time ever. I'm actually kind of agreeing I, with Feinbaum. I want to backtrack a little bit to behind the point spread last week. And Ryan Day's reaction to this. Don't tell me you got to pee. Keep talking. Do you got to pee? I was chugging water before. Oh, my I'll God. I'll be right back. So I'm going to have to set this up as, as Rob walks in front of the camera and he's going to go take a pee. But it's very interesting here to what is happening with Ryan Day. And I want you to go back and, and watch Behind the Point Spread from last Wednesday because Ryan Day actually came up in this conversation. And Ryan Day is feeling the heat. And you're probably thinking to yourself, what are you talking about? This guy has done nothing but win football games since he's been at Ohio State. But what happens when you lose to your rival Michigan? What happens when you're winning not new national when you're not winning national championships or even competing in national championships or being making the college football playoffs? A fan base gets restless. A fan base that demands and wants national championships gets a little bit restless. You had him talking earlier about why do you why are you even play in Michigan at the end of the season? Why don't you play him in the middle of the season? Why 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 do you put so much emphasis on that game? It's your number one rival. the The final game of the year is awesome. It brings this it brings it to to like a crescendo, right? I mean, it's, it's it builds up, and usually that's for the Big Ten title game, or in the East Division. But Ryan Day's reaction to me is one that and Rob walk around the camera so you don't walk in front of it because I'm walking right into this. I'm doing a, I'm doing a monologue right now, man. Ryan Day's reaction goes back to what we were talking about on behind the point spread last week. And Scott Spreitzer kind of made the, the and, and Rob joked around and made the call that if Ryan Day were to lose to Notre Dame and then lose to Michigan this year, he would get fired. Rob, his reaction, I think Spreitzer? No, Ryan Day's reaction Shows you the amount of he immense pressure he's he under. He feels the pressure. Yes. So Absolutely. Okay, well, because Spritzer kind of hinted at, I can't remember Scott's exact phraseology, but he basically discussed or talked about just, yeah, there's some pressure there. Now, it might be perceived. It might be real. I think his reaction says it's real. Ohio against the world? Fuck you. Come on. So, it, it, you know, <laughs> when you first say that, I'm sitting here going like, okay, dude, you really think Ohio State is going to get rid of 
a guy who whose average record since he took over as head coach is what like eleven point five to like one point five. I mean, that's his average yeah. record. I mean, it's it's sick. the guy is basically an eleven and one coach yes. every year since he hit the door at Ohio State. Um, I would say that is bullshit. Until you start going back and looking at history, and the history I'm looking at is go back to John Cooper, and you go back to, um, it would have been Gary Moeller at Michigan. Hell, Earl Bruce at Ohio State. Yeah, I mean, and Earl Bruce was like, okay, Earl Bruce, a little different because he was kind of like Ohio State's Frank Solich. Yeah, replaced Woody Hayes. Yeah, so he comes in. And he was a very good, solid coach. He was your, he was like your seven to nine wins a year kind of guy. Wasn't beating Michigan because that was Shem Beckler at the time, correct? Yeah. yeah. And then uh, Shem Beckler retires. John Cooper comes in. Um, and I thought Cooper was a great coach. Couldn't get over the hump. But the kicker with him was, if I remember the stats correctly, I can't believe I remember this. Go look this up. He was 2-10-1 against Michigan. Okay, I was going to say 2-11 and 11 was what I had two, in my head. 2-10-1 against Michigan. Actually, I had it 2-9 and nine was what I was thinking. So he was 2-10-1. 2-10-1. People forget ties used to be a thing. Wow. There was no overtime when I was there. Yeah, John Cooper got fired... He was because, 192, 84, and 6 at, at Ohio State. He got fired for no reason other than the fact he was 2 10 and 1 against Michigan. Won three Big Ten titles. Wait, they had a tie? Yeah. I don't remember that. That's interesting. All right. So he, he won how many Big Ten titles? Three. So three Big Ten titles. Two ten and one against Michigan gets fired and is replaced by Jim Tressel, correct? Yep. Who promptly wins a national title and the rest is history. And you go from Tressel to Urban Meyer. <laughs> I just I'm thinking about the whole thing where players traded sweatshirts and bowl game jewelry for tattoos. So you and know, he gets fired. Although he he got fired for when they investigated, he got fired because he denied it happened when he knew it happened. Which but. is now perfectly legal under the NIL rules. Yeah. So the interesting part about this, you you have Ryan Day, who's upset about a former head coach, he's eighty six years old, get upset and start calling him out personally. Dan Lanning becomes a social media star because of his pregame speech yesterday before Colorado, and basically saying. We're not doing it for clicks. We're not. He called his shot. He was Babe Ruth walking he, up. He, he and called his shot. Pointing up and but saying, every, we're, we're hitting the home that's run. That's an here. easy shot to you. fucking call. Everybody knew he was going to kick the shit out of Colorado. Yeah. Everybody knew I'll it. I'll give you that. Okay. My point is, and Dion handled it okay afterwards. He said, that's an old fashioned butt whooping. He goes, yeah. But you know what? I'll remember, and you better do it now because you're not going to do it. I get that. <laughs> Who else said that? Yeah. Who? Scott Frost. Oh yeah, Scott Frost. But I guess my my we've seen it now with Dion with with Nebraska, 
We saw it with Dion and Colorado State. We've seen it with Dan Lanning and, and Oregon and Colorado. We've seen it with now Ohio State and Notre Dame, even though that coach that he got pissed at doesn't coach anymore. Is the decorum of college football changing? Is it turning into politics to where now we're becoming more personal, us against the world type thing, where we're just going to – fuck it, we're going to take shots at everybody? I think there's you, – you I see a loss of decorum. Now, you and I were talking about this a little bit before the show. Yeah. I think it's society-wide. There was a sacredness about college football, though, to where, yeah, you would hear rumblings of uh, Kirk Ferentz and James Franklin fucking hate each other, but they never really said it. You didn't see it in the you open. Didn't, in, in the open. You what wouldn't I'm have is, seen a, You wouldn't have seen yes. um, Ryan Day calling out Lou Holtz. You yeah. wouldn't have seen uh, – the Washington State coach did it with Lee Corson. Yeah. I don't even know who the Washington State You know State why? Because nobody is. gives a fuck about Washington State or Oregon State. Guess nobody. what? Lee Corso said the same thing. And, 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 then, and then Curb Street and all these guys tried to backtrack. It's okay to say nobody cares. There's a reason they haven't been invited anywhere because nobody cares. I don't care if they're in the top 25. Nobody cares about the Beavers. Nobody cares about the Cougars. It's just a fact of life. You're good right yes. now. Fine. But nobody cares about you. They, from a media money standpoint they don't bring anything to the table now i'm not saying they're not good schools i'm not saying they're not good athletic programs but nobody cares i'm just saying they don't bring anything to the table financially when it comes to tv contracts and so you're right nobody does care but now you but got, people do care about Notre Dame and Ohio State, so let's focus on that from a decorum uh, yeah, standpoint. Yeah, and, and that's what I'm talking about. I mean, are, are we going to go the political route where you have Trump calling out somebody? You've got and Democrats do it too. They they all okay. do it now. It's 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 like the standard it, practice. It, it is, but you didn't see that as much before Trump. And when you had a guy, let me ask you this: I don't let's, think you saw it before Dion. And I'm not blaming Dion for it. I look at Dion and go, "Oh, that's Dion. It's his brand, right?" So you saw, okay, you had Dion's in sports prior to this. Not coaches, though. Not where not where they call that other coaches. No. Yeah, I mean, you might it's be rare. right on the coaches thing. You definitely had it amongst players, but, though. Player, but I get players. Players would do it all the time. Yes, that's bulletin and De- board material. I get it. But Which, co- and Dion's a player, though. That's that's a fair point. I'll give that to you. I mean, there, I, now, I'd be the first to admit, there's former players that have gone – there's an insane number of former players that have gone on to be coaches. I mean, like the – like the Manginos and the Charlie Weisses and the Billicheks, the guys who were not high-level players who went on to become high-level coaches are a little bit of a rarity. Most of the guys that coach were very good players or had a fairly high amount of playing experience. But, I mean, Dion is a little – I mean, Dion's Dion. The Dion you see right now is the Dion that's been around forever. That's the Dion you saw at Florida State, and, and that's why it's almost more. I can buy into it because he's been consistent over time. Yeah, I don't. I don't think anybody. And that's the thing that's interesting about this is that you know what Dion has rocked the boat. Dion has made waves. At the end of the day, no one 
is surprised about what Dion's no. doing at Colorado and how he's doing it. And that's we we could do a, an entire other podcast about Dion and the whole dynamic there. But that hasn't surprised anybody. Do you know what's a little surprising? What? Ryan Day and Lou Holtz. Yes. That's a little bit surprising. I would agree with you. The Washington State coach and Lee Corso. That's a little bit surprising. And, and that's what – I look at the Lou Holtz and the Lee Corso thing, and I'm not a Lee Corso fan. Again, I've said it publicly. I'll say it again. I actually – I love Lee Corso. He should have retired yeah, Exactly. years ago. You had ago. a stroke and you can barely speak. Okay? Let's just call it what it is. But at the end of the day, you've got these two young guys picking on old dudes, and it just looks like ageism. It's like, really? You're going to let two old geezers get under your fucking skin? Come on. Well, I don't know if it's ageism, but I mean, there, there's comments being made that I... And by the way, you're that's member, their job, is to make comments and opinions. Right? I mean, Lou Holtz was there to give an opinion. He was there in front of the home fucking crowd to yeah, say, I actually get him fired thought, up. Yeah, now, I actually think Lou Holtz was... I, I thought he was well within boundaries in terms of what he said. I'm not sure Lee Corso knows what planet he's on right now. That, and that's what I'm talking about. And when, what he said I, I thought was a little bit out of line because it was it was kind of a cheap shot. It's like nobody's watching Bull. Yeah, it, that was a total cheap shot. And he, he said it twice. Now, no, Herb Street popped in with the whole, like, no, 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 he was just trying to make Herbie the Because Herbie loves him. Herbie's going to defend him until the cows come home. And I get that, and I appreciate that, because guess what? I've drank beers with Corsa. Yeah, I remember that night. Yeah, like freaking two in the morning. I remember that night. He's a great guy. He's a wonderful person. He's smarter than hell. I'm not sure he knows. That is not the Lee Corso that I've met and drank beers with. I, I, and so that's this is one of stroke. those situations where I look at that. What he said, he should not have been in a position to say what he said on air. I didn't. And so I that. get that. I thought. But I you know what, Rob? Like, what he said is everybody's thinking. When he said, it, "You're like," yeah. I get that, but there's a degree of decorum there that I thought got a line got crossed. I don't think it really got crossed. What with, if McAfee would have said it? Your silence says everything. It's okay because that's Pat McAfee. Because people go, "Oh, that's." It is. And here's the thing: Corso's a former coach. So is Lou Holtz. I th- I said Lou Holtz was within you boundaries. Did. You did. Yeah, I thought I I don't think Lou Holtz really crossed much of a line. That's why I look at Ryan Day and I'm like, wait, you let okay. that get under your skin? Let, let, now the Washington State head coach, hey Owen, yeah, could you look up for us the head coach of Washington State? <laughs> I don't even know who it is, which is basically backing up what Lee Corso said about him. The fact well, that I don't know who the guy Jake is, but Dickert. Who? Jake Dickert. D-I-C-K-E-R-T. I have no idea who that is. All right, Coach Dickert. And here's the thing. There's a decorum line getting crossed when you're Ryan Day or you're Coach Dickert, and you're getting upset about this Let me tell you the difference. Or you're getting publicly upset about this, because here's the way you handle this. If you're truly upset about this, and you want to make a mark as a head coach and show somebody, hey, you said this, it bothered me, and here's why it bothered me. Fuck, go the Tom Osborne route. Write Travis Justice a letter. 
Uh, and Tom Osborne was notorious for writing single space letters. If you don't, ask, if you don't believe me, ask Lee Barfnick. Ask myself. It happened to you. I, I, I got the phone call. When, when the phone call came from Tom Osborne, you just went, oh, fuck. <laughs> you know, it's Are you going to be allowed into the South Stadium yeah, Lounge yeah. for the next media so, days? Let me tell you the difference between the two. Lee Corso didn't call anybody out by name. Lou Holtz called Ryan Day out by name. That's the difference between the two. Why Ryan Day took it personal. Washington, he's like, okay, I said, yeah, nobody I'll, watching Bull. It's, I'll give you that, but I mean, it, it's one of those. And either one I don't have a problem with. The... We give I, opinions, I, I do, Rob. Yeah, I got a little bit of a problem with both Deckert and Ryan Day's reaction to it because few things say you got under my skin. Yeah. Never let him that. see a sweat. The old right guard commercial. Never let yeah, him see a sweat. Yeah, in medicine, our 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 our, our joke about it is it's like we need to write just a yeah. prescription for triactin. <laughs> like triactin like you've been there before. Exactly. It's not that hard. You're the fucking head coach of Ohio State. Yeah, be a professional about this. Really, you're going to let that get to you? Yes. You're going to let a talking head get to you. Now, and I get it. There are coaches that bugs. And there's coaches who worry about it. And, and I understand the fact that you, you there's a perception of your team that you want to make sure – that, that there's an image or a brand that you want to protect. And as a head coach, you want to protect that. But there's right ways and wrong ways to protect that brand. And I don't think Dickert or Ryan Day did a very good job of protecting their own brand. I just don't want college football to become politics. I don't want it to be somebody calling out somebody, just these personal shots. I... I fucking hate politics right now. I do. I, I I hate this. You've got to pick a side. If you don't pick my team, well, you're an asshole. If you don't pick the other team, well, you're an asshole. I guess what? Well, pot calling the kettle. I, I sit in the. I, I'm, I'm like a, a I'm dead, as, I'm as a, middle as it comes. I'm, I'm as libertarian centrist. as it comes. I'm gonna pick a. I'm gonna pick a Republican. I'm gonna pick a Democrat. I'm gonna. I, I'm going to. It's the way I am. I'm not picking a team. Don't make me pick a team. Right, and don't make me do this in college football. College football is a, on Saturdays. I just get to relax. I get to get away. I just get to enjoy a game. I don't need this bullshit of personal attacks. So you hate Jesus, is what you're saying? I hate Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm going to hell. <laughs> Did I just say that? That's the beer talking. That's a good time to hit that, right? Um, and I don't hate Jesus Christ. Okay, just to let everybody know, I don't hate Jesus. I love Jesus. I'm like crying over here. I'm laughing so hard, dude. Hey. If you haven't watched the Doc's Diagnosis, we've talked about it a lot. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're going to be up on Monday and Tuesday. It's brought to you by Centris Federal Credit Union. Follow, follow us here. It might be a great time to start planning and preparing for those home repairs or renovations uh, on your to-do list. Our friends at Centris Federal Credit Union can help you explore ways to check out or check some of those renovations off your list with financial help with a home equity loan or home equity line of credit. Centris Federal Credit Union, federally insured by NCUA, equal housing lender. Uh, behind the point spreads coming up on Wednesday night. It's brought to you by Betfred Sports. Subscribe Best to our YouTube channel. Show in co- for college football information. Yeah, yeah. And if you want to talk to Owen personally, he usually screens the call so you can say, Hey, Owen, what's up? What's up? Wasabi. And a big thanks to Husker Max for distributing the podcast. 
Uh, head to HuskerMax.com for the latest news and opinions from a variety of voices. They let everybody on there, which is super cool. Follow Dr. Rob on Twitter at Doc Talk Sports. Follow me at Travis Creates. Follow or like the Doc Talk uh, Sports uh, Facebook page at Doc Talk Sports. And I've said it again. Subscribe, 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 subscribe to our YouTube channel. You will not be disappointed. And if you haven't subscribed to this podcast on whatever channel you're listening to it on, do it right now. We've We've consumed a lot of beer tonight, Rob. We're priming for the Joe Mowgli show. That's right. That's coming up in a couple weeks. For Dr. Rob Zaniska, I'm Travis Justice. We'll talk to you next week on the Doc Talk Podcast presented by Bedfred Sports. Sports.